Hey, I'm Kimberly. And I'm Summer. And this is The Kids Are In Bed. We are two new moms who just had babies in 2020. During that time, we leaned on each other, our limited community, and the internet. We want to share our experiences and knowledge with you guys and hopefully entertain you a little. What better time to discuss babies, sex, pregnancy, and just life than when the kids are in bed. Well, we are back after what seems like a very long (laughs) week. Mm. And all week I have been thinking about our episode last week and just talking about, you know, marriage after a baby and how that can impact. And it just kind of gave me a fresh set of eyes this week (laughs) when engaging and looking with my husband and in our marriage Mm -hmm. and just trying to deal with parenthood together. Um, It just, it made me see things a little bit differently in a positive (laughs) light, which was good. (laughs) Yes. I can't agree more after like literally after the episode, I was like, I felt a little bit of shame. I was like, sorry, Ryan. <laughs> yes. But, I know. I had to go upstairs and I was like, all right, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just want you to know I do love you. And we're on the same team. And, you know, it's hard. And I was joking with David. I, and I think I had shared with you earlier summer. I was like, man, I did not want to record that episode right. last week. Like I was just, Dave and I were kind of like, bickering all day and kind of like sporadically all week and it was just like we were not in like the Mm -hmm. happiest healthiest place that week and so to talk about like marriage and how that can be impacted by a baby I was like oh I don't want to do that but you know it's good because that's real life it is very real because we were in the same boat I don't know maybe it's the moon thing but like yeah we were definitely off just off our groove yeah and I think we get that way too sometimes like sometimes we're so in sync and we Mm -hmm. can just like finish each other's sentences and we we're on the same page and like we can just laugh and joke but other days like when we get out of balance we are like really out of balance Mm -hmm. so that can be challenging and it's hard when you are so out of balance like in your relationship to kind of get back on track because oftentimes I think it takes one of the partners to be the bigger person (laughs) yeah that's not always easy to do (laughs) not at all I can't agree more though because that yeah and I feel like going off kind of on what we're going to talk about today if my emotions and my mental health is not good marriage relationship is just going to you know, have some consequences. Absolutely. And I think like we deal with these things naturally, Mm -hmm. like in life, but then you throw a baby or babies in the mix and it's just kind of, it's hard. It's really (laughs) hard to manage all of that while raising children and while trying to be good examples. And while your body is doing crazy hormonal things, like it's hard because a lot more feels out of control when you throw babies into the mix it is you can't control everything and no (laughs) I feel like it's almost harder well for me it's harder when I'm not pregnant anymore because now there I feel like there's more risks to the baby right and I have even less control over like their safety and all of that it just makes it a little harder you know yeah and I think like even after like first few days first few weeks then months years like after you have a baby what your hormones are doing 
Like it's always changing. And I think we have so little control about, you know, what our hormones can do. Like surely food, diet, exercise, sleep can play into that a little bit. But I think by and large, we have such little control over that, uh, which can be very hard and confusing to deal with and manage, especially when no one talks about it. Mm-hmm. And when you feel like you are completely alone because everyone else on Instagram looks perfectly <laughs> fine, you know? Yes. So you're totally. sitting here like, why am I crying 24 seven? Mm-hmm. And they're happy. <laughs> and I'm over yeah. here like barely surviving. Absolutely. Well, if you're feeling that way, join our club because <laughs> <laughs> you are not alone in that you're in good company over here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Such good company. Yeah. Well, this week, we're going to touch a little bit more on more baby-related topics. And really, we're going to target mental health, especially after having a baby. And I think Mm -hmm. kind of leading into that, like, talk about hormones and like (laughs) how much your body is impacted while you're growing a human. And then after birth, like all the things that happen to your body especially related to hormones like that's wild and I had a very very hard time Mm -hmm. dealing with that hormone crash which I had no idea was a thing um until I had a baby Mm -hmm. so (laughs) um what I experienced right after birth I was quite literally like as soon as Logan was out of my body Mm -hmm. Those hormones were already doing crazy things to me. Like, I just felt so emotional, like, you know, the beautiful baby, all of that. But then the crying was like, it went from like happy tears to like, I'm crying and I don't know why. Right. And then that happened. Like, anytime I would have a conversation with a nurse, I was literally crying. I was like, oh my gosh, I look like the craziest person in the world right now. No. But I cannot stop crying. (laughs) Like, what is that? No one talks about that. Like, I had a really rough 72 hours after giving birth. I'm sorry. (laughs) That's so hard. (laughs) But I had never heard anybody talk about that because I know everything that I see, everything that I've Mm -hmm. heard is like this beautiful moment in the hospital. and. That was not quite the case for me. Yeah, that I always feel really guilty about that, like initial moment with baby where it's supposed to be like this beautiful thing. And I'm like, after Ruth, I was on the verge of throwing up. I could barely (laughs) hold her. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to pass out. And like, couldn't even grasp the idea of like, oh, I just had a baby and she's perfect. Cause I was like, I'm going to throw up on her. Like, I, right. Like, what do I do? And I just felt <laughs> such like, um, I don't know, like guilt, you know, yeah. that mom guilt so <laughs> set in real quick, totally. um, <laughs> like real quick, but it's hard when like everyone else, you know, you see the really cute pictures and they're like all happy. And I'm like, yeah, that was not, that was not not me like no but my baby blue set in with Ruth like I just I don't know my experience with Ruth is is very unique in a sense of like my postpartum depression and all of that yeah reflecting back on it yeah um but with Rowan I hit it really hard when I got home 
mm-hmm. <laughs> I would cry like didn't matter like I would just be like oh Ruth came in the room tears like just like <laughs> random things yeah um, but typically the baby blues is what they call it lasts for about two weeks mm-hmm. um, max and then after that they kind of reassess which is nice but those first two weeks mm, hormones totally mm-hmm. and I remember hearing like the term baby blues but I honestly had no idea what that was mm-hmm. prior to having my own baby and so for those of you that don't know, um, most new moms, um, research shows about 50 to 75% of new mothers um, experience what's called baby blues. And those can be symptoms that kind of look like mood swings, crying spells, anxiety, difficulty sleeping. And like Summer said, like that happens right after delivery, mm-hmm. can last for up to two weeks. And it's honestly super, super common. Mm-hmm. Um and as with as common as baby blues is, I never felt <laughs> like I knew what that was. Like nobody had ever said, like, by the way, you might feel this way mm-hmm. after having a baby. That was just never talked about, you know, that sense of like irritability or feeling overwhelmed or, you know, things like that. And a lot of this is caused by just that hormone crash. Yeah. After delivery. Um which is just a very interesting thing that we have to deal with as mm-hmm. women and mothers. Um, but baby blues is different than postpartum depression. It is. And that's something that they actually do talk to you. Well, typically our hospital, they talk to you about during discharge. They go over all the signs and symptoms of baby blues and then talk about like, if you're feeling anything else past two weeks, we need to contact doctor. Mm-hmm. Um right away just because you want to play it safe you know depression is not something to mess with especially when you're caring for a newborn and not sleeping and Mm -hmm. (laughs) recovering you don't want to mess with that at all yeah although I will say I (laughs) because the baby blues hit me very quickly Mm -hmm. and I was crying pretty much all the time even when it was time to discharge I remember sitting there in my wheelchair David had gone down to go get the car I had Logan and my nurse who was like the sweetest nurse ever Mm -hmm. she was going through all of my discharge paperwork it was honest to goodness like a 10 page document and she was reading through it word by word (laughs) like (laughs) all of these things to look out for and signs and symptoms and stuff for baby and stuff for me and when to go to the ER and, you know, all of these things. And honestly, the entire time that she was talking, I was trying so hard not to burst into tears. And so Mm -hmm. in my mind, I was like, don't cry. Don't cry. Keep it together. Keep it together. Don't cry. We're almost done. Like, that's all I was telling myself. So I had zero clue about what she said. Like, I, and I honestly did not read that discharge paperwork until two or three weeks later because I just mm. couldn't. I didn't have that, like, mental capacity. I honestly had no idea what was going on. I had no idea what I was doing. And so even though they might touch on it, I was just not in a place to mentally understand. to, like, yeah. receive all of that. And so I do wish, like, David was with me in those moments or... I wish there was a better time to talk about it, maybe before giving birth. I don't know. Like maybe right. while I was sitting in triage for 
Ever. a few hours or <laughs> while I was being induced. Like, I just feel like there has to be a better time to maybe have these conversations mm-hmm. and not after you've just gone through very intense labor and delivery and your hormones are crashing and your world is different and changed and you're exhausted and tired. I mean, I don't know. I just think there has to be a better way to really communicate this to women. Totally. And I think that's something. So I have struggled with anxiety and depression throughout most of my adulthood. And so when I went to my OB, you have to like mark down all of your history or whatever. And so we did talk about it before I went into the hospital. Yeah. Which I feel like that should be a common thing. (laughs) Totally. I think at like 35 weeks or something, like when you're getting really close, she brought up like you have had this history of X, Y, and Z. So we're going to just like make sure after baby, you keep an eye on it. And she was like explaining the difference between baby blues and postpartum depression. Yeah. But had I not had a previous mm-hmm. history with it, it may not have been a thing. And I feel like that's something that needs to be talked about prior to the hospital when all of your adrenaline is rushing, hormones are yeah. crashing, <laughs> and you've just went through this really traumatic experience. So absolutely. So, so yeah. I don't know. Something needs to change or women just to talk about it more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you have a friend who's pregnant, like let's clue them in now before you know they're experiencing these things firsthand because it is hard and it is scary I remember just feeling like I was so alone and I was like what is wrong with me and it honestly it wasn't until like a year later probably when I was talking to you and then you're like oh yeah the hormone crash and I was like the hormone crash what is that (laughs) like but that makes so much sense, mm-hmm. like what was happening in my body and why I was feeling these things. Yeah. Um, Because for those first two weeks, I remember I would just cry randomly and I would just have call David and say, can you just sit with me? I yeah. just need you to sit with me. Please just pray for me. I don't know what's wrong. I don't know why I'm crying and <sighs> I can't stop. And it's scary to feel so out of control in your own body. So reach out to your pregnant friends. <laughs> yes. Let them know and reach out during that period too. I think that's important of being like, I don't know. I think you texted me after Rowan mm-hmm. and you were like, how are you really doing? <laughs> like, yeah. How are you really doing? <laughs> Tell me the truth. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's helpful though. to be like, oh, okay, they get it. And like, she's been there. She knows. So I like, I think I told you everything. I was like, I'm bawling all the time. I'm like... <laughs> fine I'm fine but I'm crying a lot and yeah but it's really um it really should be talked about more and I think it needs to be something that's normalized and not something that we're ashamed of Um, yeah because I think for me with Ruth it was like oh it was COVID so like the only people we saw was like my mom and sister and Ryan's parents right that was it but the next round next round next baby. <laughs> round two <laughs> round two with Rowan it was like oh there's more people coming around and I am expected like I felt like I had an expectation that was being pushed upon me of being happy and like yeah. all of these to things. have it together right and I'm like I am not yeah I'm not there so just know that your mom friend may not be mm-hmm. super ready <laughs> and I think weeks. that too like I remember 
getting closer to my due date. And people would check on me all the time. Like, how are you mm-hmm. doing? How are you feeling? How's baby? Any, you know, any contractions? And people would check on me all the time. People would call me every day just to check in how I was doing. And that was not the case after Logan was born. And yeah. I'm not sure why exactly. Like, maybe like the surprise is over. You know, they finally see the baby and they're kind of like, okay, got that. Got that satisfied. Mm-hmm. Or they're like, let me give you your space or how oh, I don't know what to ask you. I don't know exactly why that is. Maybe a multitude of those reasons. But I definitely needed support way more mm-hmm. in those first weeks after than the last weeks prior to me giving oh, yeah. birth. Oh, sure. Um, which is just an interesting experience when you really need help. But you can't, at least for me. Like, when I get the text, like, what can I do or how can I help? Well, I can't really tell you. Yeah. I don't know myself. Like, that's not all that helpful. But I also know what it's like to be on the other side. And it's, if you don't know where someone else is at mentally or how they're doing, it's hard to offer support. Mm -hmm. You don't know. But I think that also comes just from surface level conversations and relationships. Like, if you're able to tell somebody like what's really wrong or you know tell me how you're really feeling Mm -hmm. and they can tell you then you know how you can kind of love on them a little bit more yeah for sure just saying sending you love you know yeah which is very sweet but not all that helpful when you need it (laughs) you actually need help (laughs) right you're like I just need someone to cry to yeah currently I think a lot of it at least I've had friends say you know like I don't want to bother you or I know yeah. you're not sleeping much or whatever. Um, and the wise words of Ryan Martins, <laughs> you can send the text and they can choose to respond or not to respond. Yeah. So just send the text, check mm-hmm. on them. And then if it takes a while, it takes a while. But at least they know that you're trying to help and yeah. reach out. And for the, that, that's good advice because for the record, I'm like the worst texter ever. And I do take a very long time to respond. Um, Not for lack of like desire, but just because I'm flawed. (laughs) You're not alone in that either. Don't worry. But those texts are very helpful to see. They are. Sure. When they come across right away. Yeah. So just send the text. Yeah. Good idea. Make the call, you know. (laughs) Absolutely. And I think, like, what's interesting about baby blues is I think baby blues is under-talked about, and I feel like postpartum depression is almost over-talked about and overhyped. Oh, yeah. Maybe has this, like, over-stigma. And when you think of, like, postpartum depression, you just think of, you know, this dark cloud and just someone who doesn't love their baby. And I think that, like, that's what people think of or that's Mm -hmm. the stigma that's around it. When in fact, like, that's also not the case at all. Mm -hmm. Um, But statistically, they say baby blues impacts between 50 to 75% of new mothers. And postpartum depression, they say, can impact between 1 in 10. um, But more recent studies also say between 1 in 7 women. So, again, that's a staggering number of women that do experience postpartum depression. um, Mm -hmm. And the postpartum depression can typically last between three to six months, but 
that varies and it can mm-hmm. spill in much longer than that six month period. Um, but what's important to mention about postpartum depression is some of the symptoms can look like baby blues, mm-hmm. but they are more severe. They're longer lasting. Um, and they do kind of differ in some ways, but I think people can commonly like mistake them for one another. And I just think there's some misinformation out there as well. I think so too. I think that's something that, I don't know. I, with Ruth, I was like, oh, postpartum depression hit me. Like when I went back to work, which Mm -hmm. is partially true. I think it got a lot worse when I went back to work. And I think there was like a, a sudden of more anxiety that set in with it. Um, but when speaking to like my therapist and stuff, we were kind of talking, I'm pretty sure I had postpartum depression like a little before that, before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it wasn't, I wasn't crying anymore and yeah. I wasn't like in this deep cloud of like sadness. It was more like, um, I didn't eat unless it was like part of routine. Does that make sense? Yeah. So like my, I lost the baby weight like pretty quick with Ruth. Like my doctor was kind of like, are you doing okay? Yeah. Um, Like abnormally a little bit faster than expected. But it yeah. was because I was literally only eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Cause that's what I ate with Ryan or like whatever. Yeah. Um. I wasn't sleeping well, even when Ruth was sleeping, like these little pieces Mm -hmm. that are not really talked about as being depression I was having, but I didn't realize that's what was happening. I thought like, oh, it's fine. Right. Um, But it wasn't until after I had Rowan that I look back on it and I was like, oh no, I was not good. Like, right. (laughs) Not good. Like this experience is much different. Like this is going to be really hard. Um, with Ruth, I remember like in the hospital, like I wanted to hold her and I loved her and like, she was perfect, but there was like a disconnect that I didn't realize was there until I had Rowan Yeah, and the bond was much quicker mm-hmm. and just very, it was a much more joyful experience. Sorry. Yeah, which is really hard when you're like, this should be like the best moment of my life. Like I'm getting this beautiful baby. Um, and with Ruth, I think I was just in such shock from the trauma of like, yeah, giving birth for how many hours and like all this stuff. And then I kind of went into like a numbing state, like an emotional numbness. Absolutely. Um, for a while, and I was like, oh, I'm good. Like I remember, I think I texted you or. Uh huh. Someone and I was like, no, I'm actually doing like really good. I'm surprised. <laughs> like, um, and then I got to work and it, like it all went downhill. But looking back, I'm like, I didn't realize I had it, right? Um, because the symptoms are different. Like I don't know when you see blog posts, you see a mom standing by a window holding a baby, and it's like black and white, crying, <laughs> crying. and sometimes it's raining outside. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's not me. So I'm okay. Like, yeah. <laughs> right. But like, there's little pieces that like, I wish it was talked about more and not like stuck to those images in your brain. Yeah. Um, Cause I probably could have gotten help sooner or maybe been more prepared going back to work. Yeah. Um, 
So maybe it wouldn't, or maybe I would not have gone back to work. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe you would have taken some more time. Yeah. Because I think sometimes we rush into it because like, that's what you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Or like, you're just supposed to do these things because, you know, six weeks, like I remember going to my like six week postpartum check Mm -hmm. and doctor comes, he checks you out. Sisters are good. How are you feeling? Good. Okay. Bye. Here's some birth control. See you later. And I, you know, like you're clear for sex. Like that's it. And I remember thinking like, okay, that was very fast, firstly. And then I remember saying like, no, I feel good. I feel good. And then like two weeks later, it hit me. Mm -hmm. And then it hit me hard. And I remember like, there's just this moment. Logan wasn't sleeping or wasn't napping. And I had gone back to work and we were doing virtual at the time so I was like in a meeting online all of a sudden Logan was crying so I have to go and tend to him David's teaching a class in another room and (sighs) I just remember I was like I he has to go to bed he has to go to bed right now because I'm in this meeting Hmm. my camera has to be on I have to do this and I remember he was not going to bed and I just remember like crying it was like go to bed go to bed and I remember just feeling like I can't do this. I can't do this. And having this like disconnect from Logan and feeling this like frustration and feeling overwhelmed and tired. And I was just like, I cannot live Mm -hmm. my life like Mm -hmm. this. And then there were other moments where it was just like those feelings would creep in more and more and more. But it wasn't in that for six weeks. And my doctor had already written me off Mm -hmm. and everything was good and everything was perfect and didn't it didn't really hit me until like four months. Mm -hmm. And then that's when I was starting to feel some of those like more severe feelings, Mm -hmm. you know, and they didn't last forever for me, but it was really scary to feel like I had been written off and I was supposed to be okay. And things were supposed to be good and under control. And then they weren't. And I was like, so now what? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, now what do I do? Um, and something that I was reading was saying that almost 50% of mothers that do develop postpartum depression are not diagnosed by a health professional. And I was like, that yeah. is so bizarre, but it makes so much sense. So much sense. I don't remember where I read it, but someone said that like a lot of the times it doesn't onset until six to eight weeks postpartum. Yeah. So sometimes it doesn't happen until after after your your little check. I know. Yeah. Which just, I don't know. And even with Rowan, I, you do like a little questionnaire. Did you do the questionnaire? I can't, there's a name for it. I did, but at my six weeks, everything was good. But if I would have filled it out two weeks later, it would have looked much different. See, Rowan's did look much different. (laughs) Yeah. I straight up was like, no, I'm depressed. Like, here it is. (laughs) (laughs) Like, no, I'm not good. And then I went in and they were like, so what do we want to do about that? And just dropped it. And I was like, um, I thought maybe you would have, you know. (laughs) You tell me. (laughs) Like, Like, I need you to tell me what to do about that. Yeah. Like, maybe some ideas. Um. My first or my second um, baby postpartum checkup was not comparable to Ruth's. Like, I just, (laughs) so first, like, there was that, right? She's like, well, what do you want to do about it? And I was like, well, 
I'm seeing therapist. And she was like, mm-hmm. great. Do you want medication? And that was it. Like she just threw it out there. Right. Yeah. And I had had been, uh, I had been on medication with Ruth. Yeah. Um, like after, but the medication that works for me can't be on while I'm breastfeeding. Right. So there's that. So I told her that and she was kind of like, okay, well, do you want to stop breastfeeding? And I was like, oh my gosh, we're, we're in a formula shortage. So no, like, no. So it was just like, it was obvious. She didn't really know yeah. like, what to do. Right. Like that's totally. kind of what they do is they like give you medication or they recommend a therapist. So, um, she essentially was kind of like, well, keep going to therapy. And if you need, we can, um, like attempt to do the breast breastfeeding friendly medication again and see how my body responded to it this time. Or she kind of like left up to me. Um, I was like, okay, I will be speaking to my therapist (laughs) because this is not helpful. Yeah. Um, and then I also, so I, I got my cycle back at five weeks postpartum. It was the worst. It was the worst. Um, so yes, it can happen. (laughs) I got both of mine back really early. Um, but what that meant was that when I went for my postpartum checkup, I, she didn't check me out. She didn't like, Mm. I think she checked how high or like the size of my uterus, like on the outside, right? They like rub your stomach and that was it. Um, and I have a history of, I'm going to, I'm going to butcher it. Diet diastic recti diastasis mm-hmm. recti yeah however you want to say which is when your abs separate when you're pregnant uh they kind of struggle to go back into place right. so i had that with ruth she didn't check me this time and i was not in the mind to even think about it because right. i'm like stuck on this like what are we gonna do about my depression absolutely thing um and so she didn't check that like nothing but i mean to be fair it wasn't even the doctor that checked me this time it was like the PA. Um mm. but I feel like I don't know, it's such a hard thing because I feel like had Ryan been in there with me, I would have had like an advocate on my side. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I feel like as women who have just had babies who are in that state, we kind of need someone sometimes to help pick up the pieces and like, no, remember you have you're having this issue or like yeah whatever um but instead we go in alone (laughs) at least right now because of well at least my my doctor was still having no outside guests um for covid so i learned i need to take a notepad (laughs) with me well and i think that's what's hard too is like especially after you give birth we're not the best record keepers because Mm -hmm. we have a million other things that we're managing or thinking about and for me personally, I'm not always the best advocate. Mm-hmm. Like if I bring something up and the doctor's like, yeah, and then kind of brushes it off. I'm kind of in my mind, I'm like, okay, well, they're not concerned. So maybe I shouldn't be either. Yep. Even though I know in the mm-hmm. way that I'm feeling that that doesn't feel right. Yeah. I just have a hard time advocating for myself or asking questions or going against the norm, mm-hmm. um, which is hard. And I think think part of the problem is like I don't think they know what to do if you're actually 
no suffering. <laughs> like, I don't think they have the answers. I think it scares them mm-hmm. just as much as it scares us. And they're kind of are just hoping you say you're feeling good so they can right, move left. on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they can kind of say, okay, see you next pregnancy or see you for your annual. <laughs> you know, yep. I just kind of feel like the baby's out and they're kind of done. That was my, that was a really scary part of my postpartum with Ruth was I started seeing my therapist in August. She was born in June. So like literally I went back to work and I was like, I can't do this and called her. Um, and about a month or two into it, she was like, you know, maybe we should talk about medication or yeah, just something to like help like a bridge. Um, and I was like, okay, like, who do I, who do I, who do I contact? Like, yeah. I don't know what to do. Um, and she was like, you know, you can contact your OB or you can contact your primary. Um, contacted my OB who was kind of like, well, technically, you know, you're not mm-hmm. our patient. You had your baby. We're not the most equipped to handle those situations. That's what I was told. Yeah. Um, so they were like, contact your primary and they can help you. Um, I contacted my primary and this was, I think, in the end of September. They couldn't see me until Thanksgiving week. Mm. And looking back, I remember like, I'm like, I should have contacted my OB again and been like, no, this is a problem. I need to be seen. Yeah. Or what have you. Like my primary, I mean, they see that type of stuff all the time, right? They're like, okay. But I should have been more of an advocate for myself because I went another month or two. Yeah. Just struggling. And like getting on medication is not easy either. Sometimes you take, it takes a while to find the right one. And like mm-hmm. it, I just, I look back on like summer, <laughs> should have just done it. Um, so well, that's my I think one you advice. have a lot of grace to give yourself because you have so many things that you're managing. And I, I think don't. we take that on as our responsibility when mm-hmm. really... You know, Mm -hmm. I do think that there should be some better continuity of care for mothers. I think that we do get left behind. Mm -hmm. We are, they do kind of wash their hands of us because they're done. We're done. You know, Mm -hmm. everything should be okay. And if it's not, well, it's always somebody else's problems, which that's just how it is. And I don't think that that is right. So I think like, give yourself a lot of grace because it's not you that's flawed. It's the system. It is. It, it <laughs> and, really is. And to be clear, like postpartum depression is not a character flaw. It's not a weakness. It's not saying you're not a good mother. It's not saying you're not strong enough. It's not any mm-hmm. of those things. It's something that happens. It has a lot to do with hormones or your circumstances or the trauma of your labor or just mm-hmm. a million different things. Whatever could be going on in your life in that moment you know, previous experiences with depression, anxiety, like so many things just kind of get wrapped up into that, that I think we often think it's a failure to be strong Mm -hmm. and it's a failure to not be a good mother, which is super inaccurate. And, you know, I'll have to listen back to myself one day (laughs) because I think that's just, it's so easy to feel that way or to Mm -hmm. think that way, even though it's just not the truth. It is. And it's hard to like, kind of, we have a friend who is also struggling right now. Um, and 
Ryan was kind of like talking to them and they, we were discussing getting help and they were kind of like, you know, I just don't really feel like I want to do that right now. Like it's not a life-threatening thing. Right. Yeah. And I think we take mental health and we put it in this like pocket of like, oh, it's there, but it's not a real issue because it's, it's not visible. We can't yeah. see it. Um, and Ryan's response, Ryan, hey, sweet Ryan, was like, <laughs> well, if your arm was bleeding, you wouldn't just let it keep bleeding, right? Mm. Like, what are you like? No, you need to like get that looked at. <laughs> like, you know, that's not a thing. And I think I have to remind myself of that sometimes that sometimes postpartum depression isn't just like something that's wrong with me. It's something that is a factor that, you know, maybe I like skinned my knee on something or, you know, like it's not a huge flaw of me being a failure, but it is just something that happens. And sometimes we need a little help with it. Like getting on medication with Ruth was like the best thing that I ever did. Like the best thing. And it's just a chemical thing, Mm -hmm. right? And so much is out of our control. And I think like feeling good and feeling happy, you know, it's not something that maybe we get to have. Like it should, you know, we should be able to feel good. We Mm -hmm. should be able to feel happy and joy and feel all of these things. And I think sometimes in our minds, we think, well, only some people get to feel that way. Yeah. When really we're all have the ability to where we should have you know, the ability to feel those things. But sometimes we just have some roadblocks mm-hmm. that are stopping us from getting in the way of that. Um, but I know for me, like, because I'm not the best advocate for myself, I also tend to feel really embarrassed of how I'm feeling. Yeah. And that's really hard for me to be vulnerable in general. So sharing that with like a medical professional that I know or that I feel like doesn't care about me all that yeah. much. It's hard to do. It's hard to kind of take that step and, you know, be honest about how you're feeling and also accept that they may not <laughs> respond as nicely as they should or may mm-hmm. not give the best recommendations like they should. Um, But, you know, just to be able to advocate or say, like, no, I don't feel good right now. <laughs> Right. And it's hard to do, but I think it's so, so needed. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, it makes such a difference. I think that's one thing. Like I I really like my OB. And like I feel like I could have told her like more. Yeah. Um, so that is something of like making sure that you have an OB that you really like and like have that relationship with, I think is really important too. Or just the primary doctor, because you know, they'll yeah. send you there too. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, as I was kind of reading up on postpartum depression, something that I found was really interesting is that studies have shown that rates of postpartum depression in adoptive parents is Mm -hmm. comparable to that of rates in biological mothers. So I I know we talk a lot about like the hormone impact, but also like how that can really impact adoptive parents kind of floored me as well. But when you think about just the change in the transition of becoming mm-hmm. a parent, it's like, that makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. You know, that 
all parents can feel these things. Um, Another thing that was super interesting was that fathers can experience postpartum depression too. Yeah. Um, And a lot of their feelings are very similar to what mothers may feel like sad, fatigued, overwhelmed, feeling anxious, you know, and about 50% of um, men who have partners that have postpartum depression can also go on to develop postpartum depression themselves, which I just thought was very interesting. Um, And it can be called paternal postpartum depression. So if you feel like regular postpartum depression is not talked about, (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and say that paternal postpartum depression is severely lacking. Mm -hmm. Um, But it totally can have the same effect on partner relationships and child development and just like the relationships all around. Think about a marriage and connections and things like that. So something just to be aware of, like, these are real things, too, that don't ever get talked about. Mm -hmm. And just check in with your husband, too. (laughs) Like, I know for me, like, I wasn't doing well, right? And I leaned on Ryan a lot. And I think sometimes I forgot to, like, check in on how he was doing because he was being that, like, strong pillar. Um, Yeah. And it wasn't until we had Rowan that I was like, oh no, like I need to like mm-hmm. take a step back, ask how he's doing. Um, cause their whole lives, they get changed too. Yeah. Like, and Ryan and I have kind of talked about like, we have nine months to kind of mentally, not totally prepare, but like our, our life is already changing during those nine yeah. months. And he's like, mine was completely the same, except you got bigger. Yeah. <laughs> like until we were in the hospital. And I feel like that would be a bit of a cold, like a shock, right? Like, oh, wait, nope, they're here. And this is my life now. Yeah. Um, So I don't know. I think that's a crazy thing for us to not really think about. Yeah. Because it totally makes sense to me, at least. It's almost like I wish that like the transition to like, parenthood can happen at different times because I think like (laughs) as moms we're not like at least for me I was not in the like mental physical emotional spiritual capacity to check in on David right I just Mm -hmm. was not there like I was so involved with like my body and how I was feeling and keeping this tiny tiny baby alive Mm -hmm. with no clue on what I was doing like honest to goodness no clue (laughs) that like how David was feeling was just not at the top of my priority at that time but now like knowing what I know you know hopefully approaching things differently but it also makes me think like okay we have friends that are having babies like I'll check in on mom (laughs) David you check in on dad you know like you know, maybe being more intentional about that because it is hard. And I have seen like in retrospect how, you know, the change has really impacted David too in like Mm -hmm. fatherhood and parenthood and like the different expectations and the loss of freedom and, Mm -hmm. you know, all kinds of things. I think there's a lot of joy, but it is hard. It is. Too for, for dads. And they had to watch their wives who they love very much go through this like 
very traumatizing like experience ryan's always like i he's like it's a beautiful thing but i hate having to see you like Mm. suffer and not be able to do anything about it for hours and hours and so i mean that can't be easy right like totally and now they're having to share you mm -hmm. right especially like with your first like David never had to share me. He never had to like split my attention or time or love or acts of service or, you know, any of those things. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it's like, nope. Well, <laughs> things are a little bit different around here. Uh huh. And they're like, I don't know. For me, like Ryan, after I had Ruth, uh, my carpal tunnel was really bad. So he still had to help me like physically do stuff while I'm healing. And then with Rowan, my leg was still numb for months. Yeah. Like I couldn't even walk right. So like he was literally physically having to help me do things (laughs) like get out of bed or like go to the bathroom, like shower um, Mm. on top of taking care of Ruth and a newborn. So it's a big, it's a big change for them. Yeah. I feel like they don't get enough credit. No, I was just going to say the same thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, give yeah, those dads a that. high five. They're doing yeah. like... <laughs> They're doing great. Absolutely. Well, what were some of the signs that you felt or the symptoms that you experienced um, when you were kind of developing postpartum depression or, mm-hmm. you know, once you felt like, oh, this is me? Like, what were some of those things that you know, you weren't quite expecting would fall under that category. But like looking back, you're like, oh, I had been feeling that way for a while. (laughs) Um, I think for me, mine's a little tricky because it, like I said, with Ruth, I felt it. All right. was having it, but didn't really realize until um, later. But when I was going to work, I also developed like severe postpartum anxiety. and started having like OCD tendencies. And I've struggled with OCD things in the past and just didn't realize it. Um, mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I was talking to my therapist because I I had Ruth in June and then I went to work in August. And that was when COVID was like really, really bad. And we didn't know anything about it didn't know what to expect and it was like hey you're going back to work with all of these strangers you're going to be Mm -hmm. exposed like prior to that I had like when we call it like the day that everything shut down yeah I was pregnant and so Ryan and I were really careful like we didn't see people we were like really really in shutdown mode and then um after Ruth was born, we were pretty strict about that too. Like the literally the only people that we had seen in person was Ryan's parents, my mom and sister, and maybe like a few friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I hadn't gone to a store, like nothing. And it was like, okay, you're going to be thrown into this like whole community of people. I had switched <laughs> schools, didn't know anyone and go, right? And I had a really hard time because Ryan was able to work from home. Um, and my district had us work from our classrooms, still teaching yeah. online. We had to go in and it was about a 45 minute commute. Mm-hmm. And I would just cry the whole drive there. Um, 
because I had this obsessive thought, which goes mm-hmm. with OCD um, and anxiety of I'm going to go, I'm going to get sick, and then I will come home and I will infect my baby or my husband and they will die. Like it was like that train of thought over and over and over. Mm-hmm. Um, and they got to where I was like compulsively washing my hands, sanitizing, and then like I would get home. I'm like, I can't touch Ruth. Can't do it. Sorry. Yeah. Um. And it's such like a sad thing to think like, oh, I can't touch my baby. No. Um, sorry. You heard I haven't talked head. about this before. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, like it caused like a lot of issues with um, like bonding with her or with Ryan. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, this is not healthy. Like this isn't good. Um, and then like at work, I would be fine. It was like, I would get there and something would turn off and I'd be like, okay, I'm fine. I have to just make it through. And I remember mm-hmm. telling myself like, you just have to make it through today. Like, you yeah. just have to get through today. Yeah. Um, and also like <laughs> being alone in a classroom by yourself mm-hmm. for how many hours like I also didn't really have cell service which didn't help because I couldn't like always call Ryan and like Check see in. how they were doing yeah like I couldn't yeah. really do that which it's a whole other thing and so um I just remember like sitting on my like on my lunch I would literally just sit there and stare at a wall while I pumped Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, this is not, this is not good. Like, um, like I just kind of had that numb feeling of like, this is my life and it's awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just want to be with Ruth. I can't. Right. And this isn't working. Um, and then I started having like heart palpitations pretty often and I was like okay now this is not good (laughs) like something's not right and my family like they have history of like cardiomyopathy and like just different heart stuff and so I contacted my primary and she um got me into like a heart specialist and all this stuff um and they all kind of came to the conclusion I had to wear like a heart monitor for weeks like they were really concerned because you can get um heart failure like postpartum heart failure um within the first three months typically when that can happen um and I was like right on the edge and so they were a little nervous my doctor was like you can't you can't be driving um or anything like that so I did get to work from home I got a medical excuse um in September um but after like watching the recording like they have you keep a log like mm-hmm. when do you feel it what happened when you felt it um and I was telling them like I'm pretty sure I'm just stressed <laughs> like I'm pretty yeah. sure that's it um and it was they're like no we're pretty sure you just are having like extreme um anxiety issues that are leading to heart issues um and that was kind of like wake up call of like this isn't this isn't good um and I worked with my therapist eventually got on um on leave I went on bonding time with Ruth and 
it was amazing the change that just that situation <laughs> of like yeah. not being in the stress of going to work and all of that um but then also like looking back and talking to my therapist and her being like well like what are your eating habits what are your sleeping habits um and realizing like I wasn't really eating um unless it was with Ryan or like routine and then sleep I wasn't really sleeping much um I so I like love spin classes Mm -hmm. (laughs) like love spin classes and I bought a spin bike during COVID and I did it for like the first two weeks after I got cleared like really well and I was doing great didn't want to touch the bike I was like I don't want to do anything I don't even want to go on walks like nothing sounds fun I don't want to do anything I just want to lay here in bed um Mm -hmm. like I remember coming home from work and I would like try to feed Ruth because nursing was a whole other thing with her and then like trying to get dinner done and then Ruth to bed and then I was like I'm just done for the day like that was my day um and it's such a sad cycle of like what a sad way to live your life I was just like crying and being so scared all the time um and a part of it is like it was definitely situational of like COVID and the virus and switching schools and like a lot of life change happened for me yeah. outside of just having a baby. Um, so I was talking to my therapist when I first started going back. She was like, and you're wondering if you're having issues. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> but it's Maybe. just one of those things where you're kind of like, well, this is what people have to do, right? Like. You have to do it. Yeah. And I think that was something that I had to really learn my lesson the hard way. And this time I was like, I'm not going back right away. Um, And there's a lot of pressure. (laughs) I feel like I've, I mean, I've had multiple other teachers um, get mad at teachers for saying that they had postpartum depression so they get more time off (laughs) yes I've heard that yes um it's like the rumor mill it is and I had a teacher because one of my other coworkers had just had a baby and she was taking time off and the teacher was telling me like man I can't believe she's doing that what about the children and I'm like, oh my gosh. And she's like, you know, all these women just keep saying they have postpartum depression. So they have more time off and like all this stuff. And I looked at her and I was like, I got diagnosed with postpartum depression. I didn't get extra time off. Cause it, oh, by the <laughs> way, it's because it was after the six weeks. Right. Of course. So, you know, you don't get the extra, um, whatever. And I was just like, that is such a awful thing to like have that. I don't know. I feel like teachers, like you should work together, people. That's part of that stigma, though, because that's something that I have definitely heard because I remember I was nearing my six-week update and I had a coworker say, just when you go to that appointment, Mm -hmm. tell him that you're depressed, you get extra time off. And I remember thinking, like, why would I do that? (laughs) Like, I was just like, it just was not something that, like, resonated with me it didn't make sense and so I went to the appointment and I was honest Mm -hmm. and then two weeks later it hit me and I was like damn I should have said I was depressed (laughs) (laughs) because it 
did happen later for me. Mm -hmm. But it was just a that is a very interesting thing that you brought up because I have certainly heard it's that you just say you're depressed and you get extra time. And I'm like, that could not be Mm -hmm. more inaccurate, Mm -hmm. by the way. And even if a mom is saying I'm depressed to get more time with her baby, I mean, like, honestly. I want to say good for her. Like, like, honestly, is that like a, a real conversation we're going to have? Because like they should. Mm-hmm. Six weeks is not enough. Mm-mm. 12 weeks is not enough. 18 weeks is absolutely not enough time to spend with your tiny baby. It's just not. So you know what? <laughs> like if that's a really conversation that someone wants to have, I just the very hard time dealing with that like so what let them be home with their baby mm-hmm. because that's what you should do exactly because it's such a big like I get really frustrated because you know your milk supply isn't really even stable yeah until what like eight 12 weeks that 12 yeah weeks? it was like at least four months yeah and I could not start weaning pumps until about four months yeah and it's like, oh, like, by the way, you got to figure that out, too, which. Good luck. Yeah. Like, that's a whole nother thing. <laughs> yes. Like, uh, but yeah, just teachers sometimes were the worst. Yes. But, but also, yeah. I just think there is like overall general lack of education, a lack mm-hmm. of understanding, misinterpretation, miscommunication. And I think a lot of the people that say that tend to be older generation and I Mm -hmm. and I want to I think it would be interesting to have conversations with the women that have this frame of mind and I imagine if you sat down with them and you had your checklist and you said (laughs) remember when you had a baby Mm -hmm. did you feel this or this or this I bet you more often than not you know that that woman or women would check off a lot of those mm-hmm. boxes went way more than they would just openly admit or way more than they realize because it is so common and it is so hard and it's mm-hmm. not an excuse no it's not a free like, paycheck like, by the way you don't get paid for all of it either like no. that's my thing I'm like <laughs> do you really think I like not getting paid my full paycheck like I literally have to pay money to oh, stay yeah. home with my baby so don't get me started on that. But I had a friend, I had a friend joking with me, like just joking. She doesn't have any kids, but I was like, you know, if I'm going to take that, I was explaining maternity leave to her and all of this stuff. And she's like, maybe I should just get pregnant to get 18 weeks off too. And I was like, girl, let me just tell you, <laughs> that's not a vacation. <laughs> like I am not like, relaxing, watching TV, crafting, bubble bathing every night. Like it is work mm-hmm. like I am working just as hard if not harder and more hours than you are at work <laughs> with this baby she was totally joking so yeah I take no offense um to her mm-hmm. <laughs> I take offense to other women who mean that seriously <laughs> um but I think it's just this common misconception that like we just want to break we want a free paycheck and that's just not it's it. not it's so not, and it's so hard to explain it to people if they're not in it. Totally. You know, like, I don't know. I, that was one thing 
after talking to that teacher, I was like, oh, or a few teachers, I was like, this is great. And then this year, um, I met another teacher that I worked with who was phenomenal. And I was already pretty pregnant with Rowan when the school year started. Um, but she was like, you take as much time as you can, like as much as you need. And she like multiple times, multiple times, she was like, you are the only parent for your babies. Yes. These teacher or these students will have other teachers. They will be fine. Don't worry about them. You worry about your babies in these moments. because You can't get them back. Yeah. And I wish I had heard that sooner mm-hmm. or like with Ruth, because I went back early or not early. I went back at six weeks, seven weeks, yeah. seven weeks. Because I was like, oh, no, I have to get back for these students. Yeah. Like, and that's such a sad thought. And like, I know I'm not the only teacher to think that. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, and it comes down to it put me in a state where like I could not function for myself, mm-hmm. let alone be the teacher that the students needed or my child needed. Like, totally. I don't know. It's such a weird role to be when it's like, oh, no, you have children on the line. You need to like, the amount of pressure that you it. have, mm-hmm. but then you don't always have that like capacity to realize like, oh, your child is like way different. And like the responsibility you have to your child is lifelong, mm-hmm. right? It's not one year long. It's not <laughs> nine no. months long. This is like for life. For life. But I think that I remember I also went back to work with Logan at six weeks, which was awful. Highly don't not recommend, <laughs> um, which is also part of the reason why I think like by that eight week mark, I just could not. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember I was like, I'm doing this because I felt like I had to. I felt okay. like I had this obligation to my work, to the staff, to the students, mm-hmm. to serve them. I didn't want to leave anybody high and dry yeah. when in fact I was leaving myself high and dry Mm -hmm. and I was leaving my son high and dry and my husband and there was a lot of frustration and anxiety and you know things that would build up because I felt like I had this obligation which like in retrospect like oh my gosh I wish I could just have a conversation with that girl two years ago because Mm -hmm. it would be a very different conversation but you know, I remember some women saying, like, take time, take time. And I, I didn't believe them. Same. <laughs> I was like, yeah, 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 but you don't know me. Or, yeah, 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 but uh, this is different. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, 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 but I can't do that to them. Mm-hmm. You know, meaning my coworkers and the students. But, you know, in retrospect. They'll be I, fine. <laughs> in retrospect. <laughs> Everyone moves on without you mm-hmm. and your mental health is most important because if you don't feel good as a mama, you're not going to be, you know, <laughs> if your cup is empty, there's not going to be a lot left for your child or for your husband or for your family or for your friends. But first and foremost comes you. Mm-hmm. And I think we forget that because we think it's baby right. or husband or family or friends and we're the last on our list. Mm-hmm. but you have to put yourself first mama like that is priority mm-hmm. so I think it's just super important for 
like new mothers, new fathers, you know, to really put themselves as priority in the Mm -hmm. sense of like mental health really matters. And it's not something to just brush off and like save for later. And, you know, maybe tomorrow I'll deal with that. Like it's so important and it's so easily missed. And I speak that from experience. Like I have just, you know, postpartum, just like push my mental health aside or, you know, after my miscarriage, just really push my mental health aside and kind of just haven't dealt with that mm-hmm. just at all really <laughs> since because it just feels like a lot of work. Right. It is. And it just feels like another thing, even though it's so healing and it would be so beneficial. It's just feels like something else. And I don't feel like I'm at the place where I have room on my plate to deal with that, which is ironic because if I deal with that, I will clear up a lot of room on my plate. (laughs) Right. You know, it's just that cycle and, you know, hopefully I can get there sooner than later. No, it's hard. It's really hard. Um, But you had mentioned about kind of your experience with postpartum OCD and what that is and, you know, how that impacted you. But I think that that's something that is talked about even less mm-hmm. than like baby blues or depression or anxiety. So do you mind sharing a little bit about what postpartum OCD even is, what that looks like, what your experience was like with that? Yeah. So postpartum obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, it right now is believed to occur like 3% to 5% of childbearing women. Um, typically, not typically, but more likely to be in someone who has had a history of OCD. Um, they mm-hmm. might experience it again, right? And that recurrent rate, I think is 25 to 75%. Um, yeah. But they typically develop after you have baby, Um, and they can persist up until at least six months so that it doesn't just go away. And I think a lot of the times when people hear OCD, they think of like, oh, I have to hit the light switch five times or like these weird little things. Right. Um, so when my therapist was like, you know, I'm hearing some OCD tendencies, I was like, what are you talking about? Like, obviously the hand washing (laughs) is the thing, but I was like, what? Um, and she kind of explained of like obsessive compulsive, like there is an obsessive thought that is um, making the compulsive action, right? Like totally. for me, I was constantly, I had this train of thought that I was going to somehow inadvertently kill my husband and daughter um, with this virus mm-hmm. and all of this stuff, which was then leading to the act of me washing my hands and compulsively sanitizing. Um, I personally have had a history with OCD as like a child. Um, Mm -hmm. I also compulsively washed my hands after I had a surgery when I was like kindergarten, I think. Like I was really little. Uh Um, And like later on, I have had issues like with eating. Um, Sometimes restrictive eating can coincide with OCD um, a Mm -hmm. little bit. And I've had issues with that. Um, so it's been something that's been a part of my story, um, but I didn't realize it <laughs> yeah. until I was dealing with it in this way. Um, 
And it's really about the postpartum part is really about something having a fear or a obsessive thought involving your child and being in like harm's mm. way. So um, like for me, it was the virus, um, but I also have struggled with it a little bit with Rowan. I have to kind of watch myself. Um, like sleeping is sometimes a trigger for me, <laughs> like sleeping uh-huh. in new situations. Like that's really hard for me. Um, so I like have to have the video camera and different things like that. Um, in cars, actually, I really struggle with, um, having them in cars. Mm-hmm. It's just like a thing. Like I have to have the monitor and I have to check it like multiple times. Um, if we go on like long trips, I have to check their car seat harness and like how the car seat is installed and mm-hmm. things that like Ryan is like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. why? Um, but for me, I'm like, it, I have to do it. Like I have to do it to calm my brain down. Um, yeah. and it's not like, there is a part of like mom instinct is to check on things and do those things. Um, right. But when it controls your like functionality of life, it's a little bit different. Yeah. Um, that's what I was going to ask because I feel like some of those things you were saying, I'm like, well, those sound like <laughs> things like innately right. it's good to check their harness or it's good to make sure you know the seats perfectly installed and cameras like I like on the surface that. <laughs> like that sounds like they're good things but like at mm-hmm. what point for you did it become like okay this is no longer good like this is different I think for me it was the car seat thing it was Brian was going to take Ruth on a car ride mm-hmm. and I like he left and I had like a panic attack while he was gone. And I was like, it took me a minute to realize why am I feeling this way? And then it was like, Ryan has her in the car. Something happened in the car. She's going to be in an accident and the car seat's not going to be installed. Right. Or something, or yeah. it's going to get hit a certain way or whatever. Um, and so the whole time they were gone, I couldn't live my life like normal. Right. I was like stressing out about it. Um, I think like to this day, I still struggle with like other people driving them. I've gotten better with Ruth. Oh, it's because she's older. I don't know. <laughs> like that. I'm like, okay, like she can go with people. It's okay. Um, but with Rowan, it's really like a big thing for me. Like, no, I don't really want other people driving with him. I don't know if it's yeah. the infancy. I don't know. There's something where I'm like, in my mind, this is going to sound, I don't know. I feel like I'm always worried that if I don't have the camera on them and I can't see them, that they're going to somehow die mm-hmm. in the seat and I'm not going to yeah. know it. And I'll be driving around with a dead baby and I won't know. And like, yeah, all of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a hard, it's hard to admit because I feel like I'm crazy, right? Like, uh-huh. sometimes I'm like how are they able just to go and like trust people to do this with their children right I can't like physically cannot let them get, like put them in the car like it really it's a really um big thing for me and it's something that I've had to work through a lot um I do a lot of reframing mm-hmm. <laughs> reframing work with my therapist of like I have a thought you reframe it so it's like a positive and like a coping thing um and it's gotten better 
but there are moments where it feels almost like crippling. That makes sense. Absolutely. Um, and I think that's where it becomes more of like an issue uh, when you are not able to like calm down from it, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, it's really hard and it can actually happen um, before you even have the baby. Some women, when they're pregnant, they also struggle with this because they're uh-huh. like carrying this thing around. And like, I knew someone who like watched her diet obsessively because um, yeah. she knew she was feeding this baby and it like it was a big big hurdle for her throughout her whole pregnancy um and it's just not something like I had no idea it was a thing yeah like no idea like I didn't really sleep with Ruth for like the first month <laughs> yeah like I couldn't sleep like I was like nope if she's asleep she's going to somehow die in her sleep like there like SIDS is going to happen like there's going to be mm-hmm. a thing um same thing with both kids we moved them to their cribs here in their rooms and both of them decided to start laying on their tummies yeah (laughs) during that time I don't think I slept for weeks for both of them because I'm like no like yeah um so it's not it's a little bit of a trickier diagnosis I think um because it does coincide with anxiety right like there's an anxious thought that's happening and um I don't know it feels like you can't have one without the other but I don't know if that's true (laughs) don't know if it's true and I do know that like there's research to support that like postpartum depression and OCD go hand in hand and like Mm -hmm. I think all of these things really just kind of walk very closely together Mm -hmm. and it can be hard to separate separate them all or experience Mm -hmm. them all or feel like you're experiencing all of these different things it is and it's hard like I don't think it's diagnosed or talked about often because I mean the only reason I even thought about it or knew about it was because my therapist right but like how often are you going to tell someone like oh no I haven't slept in weeks because (laughs) this like that's kind of like I don't know for me I was like really embarrassed um to admit it like I still like struggle to tell Ryan sometimes I'm like no like I don't want this because this is the thought that I'm having and because for me I'm like Ryan's gonna think I'm so weird when I say this (laughs) like he's not gonna get it and um, but it's I feel like if we're able to talk about it a little bit more and know that it is normal hopefully no I I giggle because like there's like so much of what you're saying are like conversations that I've had like to myself or like the other day I was telling David we were driving somewhere and we took our engagement pictures at Taft Point, which is this beautiful like mm-hmm. lift. <laughs> and I <laughs> and I was just thinking like, oh, it would be so nice to take Logan there. And then I looked at David and I was like, do you ever have like intrusive thoughts? And he was like, yeah. He's like, why? And I was like, because I keep having this thought. And honestly, it was like we're playing for the last 10 minutes in my mind mm-hmm. of us taking Logan to Taft Point and us getting close to the ledge and Logan falling off and Logan dying. And mm-hmm. I just kept picturing like Logan tumbling mm-hmm. down this cliff and dying and me like watching him fall and then watching him land. And I like for 10 minutes, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I was mm-hmm. like, David, I just have to say this out loud because I need it to get like out of my out. mind. Mm-hmm. But 
I felt so crazy. Right. <laughs> like, I just have to say that because I know it makes no sense. Mm-hmm. But I, I do have lots of moments. And for me, it's happened like post miscarriage. Like I've yeah. experienced a lot of these things mm-hmm. post miscarriage, like the anxiety, the panic attacks and like those like intrusive thoughts that I cannot get out of my mind that I like, it just doesn't leave my body. Right. But it's like, nobody talks about that. Mm-mm. And like, what do you do? You text somebody and say, I can't stop thinking about Logan falling off of a cliff and dying. Like, right. That just seems so bizarre <laughs> to like just have a conversation about. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it shouldn't be. It should be like, a, oh yeah, I have thoughts like that sometimes. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. I wish it was more normalized in society. And like, I don't know. I feel but like I would have felt better about it. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And I think like even like amongst friends, like if that were more normalized, that would feel a lot better. But I'm like. Okay, maybe I could like share that with a friend, but like, how do I share that with a medical professional who yeah. doesn't even really believe in postpartum depression? And then I'm like <laughs> saying, well, I have these intrusive thoughts that my child or I'm going to die at any moment, mm-hmm. like for a long time after Logan was born. And then a lot after my miscarriage, anytime I would hear an ambulance or a fire oh, truck yeah. and I was away from home. Mm-hmm. And if they were heading in the same direction, I would have a full-blown panic attack because, mm-hmm. oh, my God, happened. They're dying. Like, they're dead. You know, and I mm-hmm. was like, they're going to my house. And, like, I just could not get that panic and that fear out. And, like, makes no sense. Like, there would, you know, I have no reason to believe that something would happen. Right. But I cannot stop thinking about this fear. And I would call right away. And if David didn't answer, I called a hundred times to make sure everyone was alive. Yep. You know, he answers the phone and I have to pretend like. You're "Um, fine. (laughs) So do you need me to pick anything up before I get home? Mm -hmm. You know, like to play it off that I wasn't just like in tears. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. (laughs) Like, oh, I've been there. You're good. (laughs) Yeah. It's such a hard thing. Like even today, I, Ryan was going to go to the grocery store and he was taking Ruth and I have to like catch myself because I do this almost every time they leave or I leave. I'm like, what was the last thing Ruth said to me? And oh I always want it to be like, I love you. And I'm like, this is such a sad way to like, yes. like a hard way to live of like, it just always be like, if something happens while she's gone or like, I don't know. No. No, I'm right there with you. Or if I leave the house and like mm -hmm. David and I are like, not like super, super great. I leave the house and then I'm like, not even like my house is still in sight. And I'm like, oh my God, he's Mm going to die. He's going to die today. Mm -hmm. I'm Or, you know, he's going to die in an accident today. And like the last thing that I'm going to remember is me like giving him a kiss on the cheek instead of a kiss on the lips. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, like, and it's just this thought and I'm like, I can't get it out of my mind. Like all the way to work. I'm like, he's going to die. He's going to die. And this is going to be my last Mm -hmm. interaction. Yep. (laughs) You're like, it's just so, you know, it seems, it sounds very silly to admit out loud, but. (laughs) But it's not, you're not alone. (laughs) In good company. (laughs) You're in great company. (laughs) Cause yep. That 45 minute commute. A lot of those thoughts like, (laughs) ugh. Such a 
Our brains are wild, wild. aren't they? (laughs) (laughs) And man, I did not feel like this before kids. And so that's part of the reason, like going back to two weeks ago and I was just, what do I miss about my life prior Mm -hmm. to kids? I miss not feeling this way. I miss not having these thoughts. Like, mm-hmm. can I just like wake up and like live my life without feeling fear or anxiety right. or like all of these crazy things? Can I just like be carefree for two minutes? That would feel really nice. Right. Be such a I great do day. I miss that. I miss that a lot. <laughs> and I don't know if it gets better. It has to, right? I have no idea because no one that I know that, you know, is in their motherhood journey has ever openly admitted having these struggles mm-hmm. so now they seem okay so did they get better did they never experience this like am I crazy is it just me you know like that's yep. the other thought <laughs> <laughs> the whole circle yeah <laughs> that's the I don't know it's just a crazy thing like I just I don't know mental health it's, it's just it's very important, but it's very uh, misunderstood still. It is. And still. I think that stigma surrounding it is hard. Huh. So I'm going to share one thing. It's an acronym mm-hmm. called SNOWBALL. And it's supposed to be like things that will really help you when you're dealing with postpartum depression, anxiety, OCD. Like this is what... This is what is really supposed to help. However, I don't practice what I preach. <laughs> so I just want to put that disclaimer out there. Um, but maybe this week or the rest of my life, I can refocus on this. But um, knowing all of that, mm-hmm. <laughs> these mm-hmm. are the things that are supposed to help. Um, and that, you know, maybe we can be encouraged this week to kind of lean into a little bit more. But so when you're taking care of yourself, think of snowball. Mm-hmm. S for sleep. Love it. Because I think that was like, I am awful if I don't get sleep. I just can't mm-hmm. function. I am grumpy. I'm mm-hmm. irritable. I just, I'm not a very good human. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. Same. All around. So sleep. And for nutrition, eating good food that will help you recover. And especially after birth, like Mm -hmm. you need like eight meals a day. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like Summer and I went out for coffee this weekend and we were talking about dogs. And I had shared (laughs) with Summer, I was like on this vet, you know, forum or whatever. And they were saying like breastfeeding dogs need like 20 cups of food a day or something like Mm -hmm. super crazy when normally they just eat like four cups of food a day. And I was like, going from four cups to 20 cups, that's like the most insane thought ever, mm-hmm. you know? But then it's kind of like that for pregnant, you know, for postpartum women. Oh, yeah. Especially if you're breastfeeding, like really, you need to go from four cups to 20 cups because mm-hmm. you just need to like recover and replenish and give your body all of the nutrients. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting. (laughs) Um, O is for omega-3 fatty acids. Um, Fish oils have been said to reduce anxiety and depression in new moms. Mm -hmm. 
That's a new one. I hadn't heard that one before. Yeah. W is for walking. Exercise can help improve your mood and help your body recover after giving birth. B is for baby breaks. Take some time away from your baby. Can help you feel more like yourself. Definitely needed. I did not do that until Logan was like almost a year. Honestly, <laughs> no. COVID made it hard too. <laughs> yeah, that's There's true. There wasn't things. there wasn't a lot of places to go. <laughs> yes, that is an important one though. A is for adult time. Spending time with other adults, your partner, your friends can help maintain those important relationships. Mm-hmm. L is for liquids. Try to drink two quarters of water daily. Just stay hydrated. That seems to be like the cure for everything is drink water. <laughs> and then the last L is for laughter. Remember to laugh. Give yourself a break. Because life with a new baby requires a sense of humor. <laughs> really and does. that's the truth. <laughs> Uh, when they have a blowout at 3 a.m., you <laughs> laugh about it, right? There is no other option. <laughs> no. No, no, I love those though. I think the adult time or like just like baby break thing is huge because I like with Ruth, we didn't really do it either. Yeah. And I've noticed this time around, it's been much nicer to be able to like go off and feel like a human. Yeah. Without something like needing your attention the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> like. Absolutely. And I think everything on this list is in real life manageable. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you just focus on one of those a day, oh, yeah. like it's manageable and you add in one more or, mm-hmm. you know, you switch it up. I think we can do those things. But when we think of that in like a broad scheme of all of these things I have to do, it's like, well, I can't do any of them. So. not today (laughs) or tomorrow Mm -hmm. um but i do think it's just a good good reminder easy reminder thanks snowball (laughs) snowball and i put that up somewhere i need to put that up somewhere i think i do too honestly (laughs) (laughs) especially i don't know when you're in that like postpartum fog or even like postpartum depression anxiety fog like your brain's just not working like it normally does no so sometimes a visual reminder is great yeah and honestly I think this could be applied to my life right now with an almost two-year-old like (laughs) all of these things still apply maybe this is just like a parenthood you know for the rest of your life just focus on these things and you know it can kind of help Mm -hmm. (laughs) help manage the light you know the stresses of life a little bit better I love it I think it'll help a lot personally Are there any other things that kind of helped you, has helped you in your journey so far? I know you've shared a lot about, you know, therapy and uh, your journey with medication. Anything else that's been like encouraging? Um, I do think talking to other moms who have similar struggles is really helpful. Um, I had another friend who struggled with the same thing. And it was helpful just to be like, oh, okay, like we're in this together. Like, that's okay. Um, and there are, I don't know, my therapist has like a postpartum therapy group. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes joining those, I know for me, that was like, oh, that's terrifying. <laughs> um, yeah. But for some people that might be like a great thing or joining like, I don't know, 
like a mops group or something like that yeah. um could be helpful and my I don't do it like I should but I know I function better when I have exercise um yeah. like I am like a new person <laughs> so totally. that's my big thing and I know that that's my thing and so if I am doing it correctly and or not correctly but daily um I'm much better off mm. with everything I need those endorphins <laughs> to totally. like help me um, but I will say going into having the second baby I think having a postpartum plan was really really helpful for Rowan um like I may still have like postpartum depression and anxiety and all of that but it's much more manageable this time yeah. um compared to last and a lot of that was just knowing what boundaries I needed to have set um what things I may need postpartum like knowing like hey I'm gonna need space from like not having people come over for this amount of time um or like we let people know like it'd be great to have food every other day like just having that set in place so you don't have to think about it later yeah. um it was really helpful this time around um just because it's less stuff you have to think of and then also um ryan was in the know so if I, I was like if i start showing symptoms or signs or whatever i just need you to let me know like just intervene and um i think that was probably the most helpful thing mm -hmm. like having that open communication about it um was great because then it was like okay i'm feeling this way these are the things that are happening now what's the next step um was it made me feel like i had more control over it totally yeah. um <laughs> it's just helpful when you feel like you have no control <laughs> exactly so um whether you've struggled with postpartum depression or anything like that i think having a postpartum plan for like if this is to happen what should i do Maybe like I would suggest that even like having the conversation with your OB, if you're open to it of like, Hey, if it's past six weeks and I start feeling this way, what should I do? Who should I contact? Um, it's sometimes probably a, that's probably my next route if I have another baby. Absolutely. <laughs> but definitely having a postpartum plan. Um, a great idea. I think we prep so much for like the birth and the nursery and like <laughs> all of that. And we forget like, there a whole other part that is detrimental so yeah that's i think especially one. as a first-time parent you have no idea oh yeah no i know that that's even a thing mm -mm. <laughs> so hopefully going into it second third time around like feel a little bit more prepared <laughs> like we got this. or maybe you just have your expectations lower for, <laughs> for how it's really gonna go because probably that both can help too yeah <laughs> I love it. I love it. But yeah, so those are my only like big tips that have helped me at least. So. Awesome. Thanks so, for sharing so vulnerably mm -hmm. this episode because it's very clear that you're not the only one who has experienced yes. these feelings or continues to experience them. And so I think just continuing to open up those conversations mm -hmm. is just so vital and so key. So thank you so much for doing that. Of course. Of course. Thank you. So maybe let's just end this episode on something positive. <laughs> like your win, what has gone on this week that you just have to feel proud of or that went really well. 
Yeah. Um, so my win, it kind of actually goes along with this and Dang. it's just by chance. Um, but I did say I really like spin classes. David's yeah. going to love this. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, pre-babies or whatever, I used to go to a spin class here in town. And, you know, when you have kids, it's a little bit harder <laughs> to get yes. out for a class. And it's a little more expensive and you have money other places. So um, I have a bike here at home that I like and I love, but going to classes um, have always been different and a little bit more life-giving, I guess you could say for me. Yeah. Um, and this week they were having a sale. And so I bought um, two weeks of unlimited rides. And today um, I actually went and I <laughs> telling another friend, I was like, I cried during class today. <laughs> And yeah. she was in there with me. She's like, why are you crying? And I was just kind of like, I have had such a hard time with my body lately, aside from just like being out of shape, but like, it's physically not the same, um, yeah. since having Rowan, especially like my back and my leg and like riding a spin bike was like the one thing that I really liked to do for exercise. And so when I couldn't do it for a while, it really messed with me. Yeah. And so being in that class and I was like, I'm actually functioning. I'm not pushing myself too hard. And I'm actually like doing what I am able to do, like listening to my body. Yeah. Um, which is really hard for me to do. You can ask Ryan, he gets so mad when I go to classes because I come back injured for like three weeks. <laughs> He's like, What are you doing? Um, but this class I actually felt like, okay, I am appreciative of what my body has done yes what it's doing and like the fact that I can be in here and ride like I'm riding and do what I'm doing is incredible considering it created humans yes and it's currently still feeding one of them like it's an incredible thing and it was really humbling moment for me (laughs) during class but I think that would be my win of like I had like this like really appreciative moment for my body and then also, it's just a really fun ride. I felt <laughs> I felt great for the rest of the day. Ryan was like, "Summer's in a funny mood today," and I was like, "No, yeah, just <laughs> feeling great." Oh, <laughs> that's awesome! Yeah, so that's my win for this week. Yay! Uh, what about you? Be so proud of that body. It's done so much. <laughs> Thanks. Um. Well. I would say my win, I went back to work this week, today. Yeah, today was did. my first day back and I just survived that. <laughs> That's huge. And honestly, I'm just taking that as a win mm-hmm. um, because it is still hard for me to leave Logan every day. Mm-hmm. Like, I do miss him and I hate having to make that sacrifice of mommy's going to work, mm-hmm. you know, and you stay here. It It's just still hard on me. and so. You know, just leaving the house is hard Um, just because I miss him so much. I miss our time. I miss just watching him learn and grow each day. So the fact that I just survived day one of work again um, is good. I, you know, certainly doesn't bring me the same joy that being home with Logan does. But just being able to see him, I love like walking through the door and he hears the door open oh, and he yeah. says mama and he runs to me and you know that's, that's just a sweet moment and yes I miss my time with him 
endlessly, but being able to see his face at the end of the day, um, you know, it's just special part of our, I hate icebreakers at work. <laughs> I hate them. I don't know. Yes. I don't know if anybody actually enjoys them. I don't know why we do no. that. I'm just, it's just not for me. I hate that. But I put on a happy face and I do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the question, one of their questions was like, what are you most proud of? And I was mm. like, my son. Like, he right. is just like a little miracle child. And he's gone through so much. And he's happy and he's healthy and he's beautiful and he's silly. And he just makes me laugh. And, you know, I'm just proud of the fact that David and I have had the privilege to raise him mm-hmm. for almost two years now and just to have the privilege of having a baby and then for him to just be as great as he is um is my win so I love it he's yeah. so cute too that boy <laughs> oh my gosh I just want to go and snuggle him right now I do have to say today Ruth finally I don't know what Logan's a hard word to say for these kids <laughs> right yes and today I was like what do you want to do tomorrow really like what do you want to do and she said how did she say loggy and I was like oh like what (laughs) like loggy and I was like so there's a picture of them in their room or in her room Uh right I was like what and she's pointing at it and I was like Logan and she was like yeah he bye-bye Oh, I was like, oh, but you, I was like, Logan's bye-bye. Yeah, Logie, bye-bye. I was like, oh my gosh. So she's saying Logan and it's like the cutest thing. Their little friendship. Like, it gets me every time. I love it. I've I've been prepping him because Summer's (laughs) graciously watching Logan next week for us. (laughs) And I'm like, Logan, you get to like spend, you want to see, play with Ruth and Rowan next week? He's like, yeah. Yeah, Ruth Rowan. Like he's oh, just, I love it. Oh, he loves he loves your kids. So he's very excited. It's gonna be fun. Week. And pretty much David wants to volunteer to hang out with you guys every day. <laughs> every day he's like texting, like, so can we come over? Can we hang out? And I'm like, David, these people have lives too, but <laughs> I'm like, you anyway. can't I feel bad. David's allergic to cats and we have a cat. And so I feel bad every time he comes over. I'm like he's gonna leave so stuffy and eyes watering and like No, he'll be okay, but he's hoping that you guys can hang out tomorrow. And <laughs> David, these people have other things to do in their life. We'll text David. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, that's a really side note. <laughs> yeah, anyway. <laughs> right back so next week we are hoping that we can have a guest speaker to talk to i know we've had some amazing guest speakers in the past um so next week we look forward to chatting with someone just about their life a little bit so stay tuned for next week yay bye (laughs) bye remember snowball (laughs) yes